I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast, and uh, it's been quite a dramatic weekend, Boxhead. Yeah, both on and off the field. Fair bit going on. Definitely a fair bit going on, and as always, we kick things off straight away with our set of six, six topics, opinions, discussions, anything we want to talk about, and I guess it's been done to death uh, the last few days, so we may as well get it out of the way first up in tackle one, but... Um, obviously, the COVID breaches and the situation that has played out with the St. George Illawarra Dragons, uh, up to 12 to 13 players, obviously getting together after a game for a barbecue until a noise complaint came through and New South Wales police have turned up. Significant fines combined $305,000 between the players now, uh, $1,000 each from the police and from the board meeting today. Uh, they've obviously... Terminated, Paul Vaughan. Yeah, and I, look, I think rightfully so. Um, based on, I guess, previous indiscretions that they're saying it's his third strike, we you know, obviously know the details of the second strike. There's been details, I think, leaked by the club, which I think is really poor this afternoon <clears throat> around the issues or vague details around the first indiscretion, but... <clears throat> Yeah, look, I think once once it was sort of known that he was the it was his house, um, he was always going to be in a difficult position, based also on what happened last year. And you know, I don't think last year's crime was the worst. Uh, I don't think this this crime is the you know the worst crime we've ever seen in rugby league either. But I think it's just the culmination of those indiscretions, um, a big contract. And, you know, it's a, it's a strong decision by the club, I think, um, and a difficult one because you're you're obviously best mates with him. And um, I know him, I wouldn't say I'm mates with him, but I'm certainly, any friend of yours is a friend of mine. So uh, I've had small dealings with um, Vaughn and I've always found him to be um, a really nice guy, really bubbly um, bloke and, yeah, I'm shocked that uh, that he, yeah, you know, he's, he's apologised tonight on 360 and he looks devastated and I can't imagine where his head's at. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. It's, probably, it's far more difficult for you to, to I guess, talk as a, as a friend, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions that come out of it. Uh, I think he's been made the scapegoat in a way. I, I don't understand how Jack DeBellin and Corey Norman have still got 
contracts. They're probably the two that I look at and go, well, they've, they've also had repeated indiscretions. DeBellin's only, what, a month back or six weeks back? Uh, four games, I think. A long stint off. And they've defended so, him through. Yeah, you know, I think when you start to compare, though, you you know, you're comparing rap sheets. It's a sort of a dangerous business to get into. I think the facts are that, you know, we're in a <clears throat> we're in a lockdown. We've got restrictions. Uh, I think it was just naive for them or, or dumb for them just to think that they were going to be able to have 13 blokes over for a barbecue and have no one notice and no one bitch and complain. I think, like, everyone's looking out their fucking window at the moment at what everyone else is doing because no one's got anything to occupy their time unless you're, I guess, unless you're like us and you're running after two kids. Um, but I think for the most part, people have sort of got more time than they than they normally would. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's a tough one. What, what, I, what my, my question, and I've asked a few people in the media and around the game, in the last sort of six hours since the decision to sack him has been around, well, okay, so now he's sacked. He got, he got an eight-week suspension yesterday from the NRL. He's been sacked today. So does that mean that he now doesn't serve that suspension this year? Some people in the media have said to me, yes, they, they believe that he'll that eight games will be counted this year and he'll be able to resume his career, if so, given the chance to start 2022. Other people have sort of said, I don't know. Uh, so that, that one to me is what I, I think there needs to be, be some clarity around. Uh, and, you know, you said off air, will the NRL allow him to sign somewhere else? And I'd, I'd find it uh, like a restraint of trade almost if, they, yeah, well, they if he can't find another club. Like, so it's fine that the Dragons can sack him all day. That, that's fine. They've made that decision. But, and the NRL's fining $50,000. That, that's fine as well. But I don't believe that they can prevent him from seeking and gaining employment. No, my, more my point is, and again, purely football, taking everything else out of the equation, which is pretty hard to do at this point in time, all I thought is eight games conveniently is week one of the finals. So yeah. if there's a Penrith Panthers who are lacking front row depth or South Sydney whose rotation is okay but it's not the greatest, if anyone has salary cap room left and is willing to take somebody on. Like, clubs have signed people that have committed much fucking worse crimes than just having a barbecue, and I get it. It's a bad situation. It's more the wrong decision at a time of heightened sensitivity where everyone's going through a lot of stuff in regards to this, but there's been so many worse things. So if you think it would stop a club from going for him, I wouldn't blame a club, but if a Penrith does pop up or a South Sydney... I'd stop you on that one. Like, he he deserves... Well, he doesn't deserve, but... If he's given another opportunity, like as you said, please, we've we've there's been horrendous, horrendous crimes uh, committed, and players have been welcomed back with open arms. So I think what Vaughan's uh, committed have been, uh, I'd say, on the lower end. He's just he's just had a you know a handful of them, or or two or three of them. So that that's why he's in this current predicament. It's not through one. The severity of one, it's the accumulation of all, I think, is the reason he finds himself in this position. So he, he should, uh, he, he will easily find another club, in my opinion. Like I said, there's two to me that I looked at straight away and thought, well, eight games is week one of the finals. South Sydney's rotation, they've used Sally, Nichols, lots of guys that are doing a job for them, but if they had spare cat room, they could certainly do with help in their middle rotation. And the other one's Penrith. Penrith obviously made moves to lock up all their kids. Um, I don't know if they have any wiggle room whatsoever. 
But if they did, depending on what the NRL also said, which is my other question, is there a nominal value? Is there a minimum you would have to pay to get him at this point to not make it seem like it's an advantage if you had space? Like I don't know. But if he was willing to go right now and I'm one of the better clubs, off the back of what it is, if there's any backlash at all, I'd be happy to take it purely on the fact that eight weeks, if I put him in my bubble, if he has to train for week one of the finals and I get to roll him off the bench for 20, 25 minutes or whatever it may be... Uh, I don't know. I don't know if a club would do that. If it's for next year, my question was the same thing you just said. If you're signing somebody and he can't serve it this year or it doesn't count because he no longer has a contract and no one does pick him up, well, you're essentially going to miss the third of the next season before you can even get a run. Correct. Um, I know they count trial games or things like that, so you might be able to knock two off. Making far less employable. Yeah, and that's kind of... Oh, oh, the, the, the games was probably what surprised me. The fines for everyone didn't surprise me. And like you said, the, the sacking part from that incident alone, I don't agree with. But if there is an accumulation of other things and that's what it's led to, well, that's the club's prerogative. They get the right to do that. If you have a certain amount of breaches, they get to a point where that's within their discretion to do so. But the eight games, um, and only for him, and they've made it out, like in the media in particular, the storyline of almost like he's the one who hosts it. It's like, well, fuck, you didn't handcuff everyone and drag them back to the place, all right? No. They've made a decision. More than almost half the team, or just under, have made the decision. He's, he's the example. He's, he's the example, and I completely understand. And again, probably the fact that the COVID breach last year, etc., has probably amplified things. But the eight games um, for other, just, you know, I know it's a different board and it's a different NRL, and they're leading from the front. And I hope they're going to maintain this standard if they're going to do it for this situation. But from punishments of other situations in the past and things that have been handed down, this administration clearly. I uh, wanted to send a message. I just hope they continue to do that if th- this is what they're going to dish out for one in particular in this situation. Yeah. Um, and from the cl- club point of view, like it probably speaks to clearly they are desperate to hold on to Jack DeBellum because if I supported somebody for two years, paid their wages, kept them sort of tucked away from everything, and he, you know, he was found, well, he wasn't found guilty or not guilty, the case was taken out. But after all that, um, for this situation to pop up, I've just given him another four year deal on big money on the potential of what he could be, I'd be heavily disappointed. Yeah. A lot of the other younger guys. and Yeah, well, for, for me, he would have been walking out the door as well. Yeah, well, like I said, clearly they've... Him and, him and Corey Norman. I think they're talking about, uh, they're talking about a culture cleanse. Plus. Well, I've talked about for weeks now, if they're flicking Dufty and Norman, they're a really good group of kids they've got there, just play them now. And if you're looking at playing finals, like, yeah, they might be able to get their way into the finals and they might think right now that they're better off doing that with Norman, Dufty, etc., and not putting in an Amone or a Sloan or a, a, a Jaden Sullivan, etc. But I just think you're being naive towards the future. Like, realistically, if I'm them and we're going through a transition, if we can't win the comp, I'm all about the future. The future is Amone, it is Sullivan, it is Sloan. If it's going to be those guys, Norman Dufty wouldn't be in my team. Yeah. Plain and simple. It might cost you a spot in the eight, but like, realistically, what what are you what are you aiming towards this year? If you slide in to the bottom half, you might play the Roosters, Manly, Para, whoever slips down to those spots week one. How realistic is it they go on a run? I know they'd rather play finals than not play finals, but yeah, that's, if, I think that's more the point. If you're going through a, a transition um, and you've got those guys there, I more think if we're just wasting our time for the rest of the year going up and down with results, I'd rather speed up the development of guys that I've now signed for three-year extensions, etc., and have told them basically the future of my club. That starts now. Mm. So that's the direction I'd be heading. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know how that works with the games and uh, everything else around it. But like I said, more probably what you said at the start. Um, 
I can't defend anything. I understand the situation and what it is, but that still doesn't stop from the fact that it's one of my best mates. Uh, I was in his bridal party. I live with him down in Canberra, and probably what more bothers me, and it's with all players and all situations, and just like the Dufty thing where you see all this stuff coming out about him and whether it's the club or just the journos and whatnot, like, at times I think they go too far. Um, the stuff today when he's walking back to his house, etc., and being camped out, like, I get it at the start, it's a big story, there's a COVID thing going, everything's heightened, but, it, like, fuck, it's been three days and they're still camped yeah, out. Yeah, well, we, we sort of spoke about this this morning. Like, once you enter their world and you become hot news, then... Oh, I, I get it, I do. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like I said, I'm attached to it. I'm not defending it, I'm not going to... Have an old bias to it, but I'm telling you right now, um, for some of the stuff that I've read or heard, or again, just people on the social media stuff, and I guess that's one of the bigger things, you don't want to read into that stuff, but some of the shit that I've read is just fucking disgusting. Um, and I stand by the bloke. He's one of my best mates. I love him. You, you wouldn't meet many many a better person, and from this situation alone, uh, for what I've read or what's been said and judged, like, is just, yeah, for me. So um, I'm. he's got my support. Um, and so does his wife and daughter etc his family it's and I'm not making excuses I know there's people out there again they're looking at it going I understand the whole climate the people have lost their jobs and this that and the other and what was done by a lot of them or what they've said was dumb naive arrogant all that kind of stuff but on a personal level like you don't wish this upon people don't wish someone to lose their job or some, some people do your dream situation and again I, I love the bloke I really do he's one of my best mates um and yeah, it was obviously not an ideal day. I understand, like I said, the club's in their rights, everyone's in their rights, the whole situation, I don't defend any of that. But on a personal level, at the end of the day, he's my mate. So um, he knows what I think. I hope he gets another opportunity. I'm sure he will. Um, like you said before, no one deserves an opportunity, but I think it's not far from the crime of the century. I think timing by the, all the players was very, very poor, given the current climate and the situation that was always going to get the reaction it got. So, yeah, uh, I just always hope that the Dragons and the NRL don't now determine where he can be employed and how he can be employed. Like, once you sort of say to someone, like, if someone, if I get sacked tomorrow, like I can be employed. Uh, if I get sacked today, I can be employed tomorrow. Mm. So I think that's probably the best way forward. I think for him to get on three hundred and sixty was good, um, as hard as it would have been. Get in front of it, you know. Don't go and sell your story to someone or make excuses or. Avoid it. Get out. Get in front of it. Be apologetic. Be real. Um, I like the fact that he said, you know, I, I am a good person, and and I've got no doubt that that he is a he's a good person. Any of my dealings have been uh, around that. I, I just think it's it's probably a good reality check for him because there are you know businesses that are going under. There's people yeah. who aren't getting paid. So now he's going to live a little bit of that himself, um, and. Yeah, you know, I think that I think that's only going to be good for him. It's going to build his character. It's going to make him more aware, probably less entitled. I think that's probably the one way I would describe the behaviour of not just him but all the players on Saturday night. He's just entitled. Like you feel as though you're different to everyone else, and that you'll get away with it. Or you know, and I'm sure if you said to all the players now that you you would get caught, would you still do it? They'd all say no. So I guess it's just they just feel as though not that they're invincible, but. Yeah, you know, we'll come round and no one will notice, and we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll get on the piss and watch the footy and whatever. Like, I don't. It's not the crime of the century, but it is a little bit entitled, and it is just lacking a little bit of self awareness, in my opinion. So, hmm. I, I think 
think the biggest the biggest thing from a whole of game perspective is it's and you know they're Ray Hudley was on three sixty carrying on tonight saying that they've sent the chief of police or there's a detective going to investigate whether there were other people outside the bubble at the venue. Now that that's now that's gonna be the big part of this story moving forward is that you know, if there was someone outside the bubble that was at Vaughan's house on Saturday night, they're all going to have to go into isolation for 14 days. Mm. And if that happens, I'm not sure the Dragons are going to have enough players because they're then going to have to obviously put others in isolation. Unless they've already done that, which would be smart, I hope the Dragons have preempted it and, and thought, well, we'll put some players in isolation now just in case. Uh, but they're, they're not going to have enough players if all... If all 12, like obviously Vaughn's gone, but if, if 12 players have to be in isolation, they're really going to be scrambling to have a team to take. I think they play Manly in the next game. So that's going to be the big story moving forward, I think. Yeah, I think uh, they brought up also, like, you know, about DeBellin wasn't there, then he was there, and they've spoke beforehand, and that was part of the decision as well with the whole integrity unit thing. And I, Again, I'm, I'm not defending that side of things, but anyone who hasn't had a mate get in trouble that they've been with at some point in life that they haven't tried to cover up for, like, I'm not defending it, but, like, fuck. I think most people in that situation uh, have been there before. <laughs> not, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Trying to cover up? Well, they'll bring it up that Jack, you know, wasn't there and that apparently people have said beforehand he wasn't, then it's come out today that he was or whatever, something like that. It was all in the... Yeah, I think that usually when, when people behave in that manner, it's to protect them from you know like it's isolated in that it's you know I'm, I'm protecting you and we'll stick together like this is more the, the the issue with that is is that the impact this has on a wider scale mm. so I, yeah I, I, I can't defend them on that they should have been fucking honest to start with and yeah, they would have been better off. My point is when that happened, people are like, I couldn't believe they've done that. I'm like, how many people have had something in the past? Yeah, it's not the same. So I know. This is the thing. Know. This is the, the supplier's perspective. They feel as though they're the same. You're not the same. If you want to be the same, go and be a butcher, go and be a chippy, go and, you know, go and earn 50 to 100K and battle away like everyone else is at the moment. Hmm. You know, you're, they're on huge fucking salaries, man. They, they need... So it, with that comes a, a different level of expectation and in this current case they are living they are living tough in that you know they, they can't go out of the house they're on level 4 restrictions so you know look at the Warriors yeah, but they're on level 4 restrictions again they're away from home like it's, yeah. it's, it yeah. has been difficult for the players I get that but they're well compensated for it oh, 100% they can't complain like I said before I, I can't defend anything I won't do anything but just on a personal level um, obviously I love the bloke he's got my support and it's more hurt me the other stuff around it again where like I said it's not the crime of the century yes they've done the wrong thing but when you're just saying an absolute bashing or barrage you know, some of the shit that's come out I'm just like fuck you, you literally don't know the bloke you really don't well, of, don't. of something so simple you really don't that's not their job to know no that. I know that they're, they're, I know. They're, they're judging him based on this and this is what this is what society does yeah I get that and in particular this age of social media where it spreads like wildfire and everyone's got opinion um, yeah I'm just like I said I think um, hoping that there's another opportunity at some point and how that pans yeah, out we'll like, no depending doubt. on the games and whatever's going on uh, yeah see what happens but for the rest of those guys how they address the suspensions the other 12 games I think it was they have to get over with the other 12 players people have said today they've got two rounds a maximum of four to spread that out 
how you would handle it. So the four games they've got coming up are Manly after Origin with a two-day turnaround. Then they play the Titans, the Rabbitohs, and I think it may be the Raiders. So in all honesty, I would probably more err on the side of what the NRL is trying to tell them not to do. I'd honestly, if I've got 30-plus in my bubble and my development players who I'm allowed to use, I'd probably pick a game like South and go, we're unlikely to win that. I'm going to rest everyone in one hit and try and win. They're not allowed allowed to do that. They're not allowed to do that. All right, well, if they were, I'd be trying to focus on winning the other games. If you spread it out, I think that's going to have a greater effect on them. But if that's what they have to do, I guess. 12, 12, don't they? 12 over two or four games. So they could do six and six. I think they'll go five, four, three. I think five will probably sit out against Manly. Or five will sit out against the Rabbitohs. You'd have only three sit out against the Titans because you feel as though... I'd be focusing on the games I think I could win. So I think the short turnaround against Manly is going to be hard. But then again, you know, what what happens... They need to be careful because if you overthink it, you're going to get injuries and stuff as well. So... Yeah. You know, I'd probably try and pick my strongest team every week and then just look at, you know, who's carrying a niggle, who's, who's available in terms of their backup in their position... There's a, there's a hell of a lot that goes into, you know, working around that. So that that'll be for smarter people than us to, to look at. But yeah, I, I do think it'll be it'll be five, four, and three in terms of how it's divided up. Mm. Oh, fair enough. There we go. It's uh, like I said, been a fair bit about it the last few days and things coming out, whether it be the initial point, the NRL's initial comments, what's happened with the NRL, now what's happened with the club, um, but. Yeah, I guess uh, not ideal for the Dragon season, how that moves forward. Not ideal for those guys, the players, the group. Uh, I guess it'll be more interesting to see what happens from here. With the decisions they've made today, will it affect the back end of their season? Will the fines and obviously Vaughan being moved on, everything like that? Just, yeah, there's a a lot there to digest for Dragons Dragons fans and uh, everyone. So we move off that one and we go to Tackle 2, Origin. It's a, a dead rubber. But a couple of changes. New South Wales, first of all. Uh, Jack Whiten moved into the six jersey after Luai was ruled out. We know Cleary was going to be out with his shoulder. Mitchell Moses wins that jersey. Uh, Daniel Safidi ruled out as well with an injury, promoting Payne Haas in with Junior Paulo to start and Dale Finucane coming onto the bench. And a couple of shadow players being brought in again to experience camp. Gutherson's been brought back in. Nico Hines rewarded after the start of the year being a guy that would have been lucky to get a handful of games pending injuries at Melbourne, a huge elevation for him. And one that probably surprised some people, but it didn't really surprise me. You took a mano from the Tigers elevated. He's come through all the pathways. So Fittler's got an idea of the player, the person, um, given his current club and situation and form. I think that would have taken some people for a shock, but the raps on him coming through, the potential the talent that he's seen coming through all the pathways is similar to what they've compared him to a Payne Haas. So um, probably given the climate, what's going on, the fact it's a dead rubber, he's bringing in somebody there for a bit of a confidence boost to look at the environment and maybe it might do him a bit of good given the situation he's been dealing with the Tigers this year. Yeah. But uh, for New South Wales, I guess the biggest point there is the halves. Uh, In all honesty, I don't agree with it. My immediate thought was we usually have made decisions in the past that were incorrect or we went away from form. We picked on form a couple of years ago. We got the job done last year. I thought we went away from that and we paid the price this year. We obviously picked on form and best available 
given climate and we've won this series, but even with that being the case, I thought for game three, the no-brainer once the Penrith halves was out uh, was to pick the South halves because, in my opinion, the most informed half besides a Cleary or even a Luai head-to-head is Cody Walker, in my opinion. And Reynolds, why I'm not the biggest fan, and I think he's been in okay form, I just think it was natural that you've already got Cook there. You've got Walker, Reynolds then on either side. Latrell's on one side with uh, Cody, Reynolds on the other side with Murray. Naturally, you've sort of got some synergy there again with White and Moses. I know White's already been there. They missed the chance, like you said, last year to pick him when he was in red-hot form and would have had a better opportunity to play his best football and in the balance of Cleary, having a 6-7. and seven. Um you know, his, his form now is not great. His club form, I know he's trying and the environment's probably not that great, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I would have rather leave him in that 14 spot and bring those guys in. And then the Moses side of things, he's been solid for a while. Yes, they've been a top four team for a couple of years, but I still feel that he is mostly a kicker, in all honesty. I don't think he runs the ball enough. I don't think he doesn't engage the line. I think his temperament at times still... Is there or thereabouts. I think, again, they call them the flat track bullies. I agree with it. I think for the most part, his best games are against teams that aren't top four sides. I don't really think he's got a signature win in the last couple of years, why they've been a top four side and why I think he's a good player. Um, yeah, dead rubber or not, I can see the benefit in the sense of blooding someone they probably think has got more of a future than those other two guys. But I'd want the clean sweep. I would have gone with the South halves. Particularly after listening to Freddie on post game on Friday night, he just was full of praise for how Moses played. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting interesting to know whether if it was only Cleary, whether Moses still would have got the night. I probably think he would. I don't. I, I, I don't know. I've got, I think Freddie's got a bit of a hot hand at the moment. I don't have an issue with him going Moses. Uh, would I have gone Moses? Probably not. Uh, would I have gone Whiten? Yeah, based on. Um, loyalty, yes, based on form, no. So, yeah, it's a tough one, man. I, I, I tend to, if I was picking the side, I probably would have lent your way and gone with the South guys. But you know, the other one actually, I've completely forgot. If I'm Penrith, I probably I, I could have gone Pierce. Like I, I quite like Pierce. Yeah, he's done the job before, but he's he's only two weeks back, I think, from an injury. Yeah, I think Newcastle wouldn't have been happy about that. I, I oh, bad luck. No, no. But that's probably probably from a from a selfish point of view. If I'm Newcastle now, Ponga going back in after one game has me worried for a dead rubber. Yeah, um, I agree. And similar deal for Penrith. You've just lost Nathan, who you're going to rehab. I don't know the extent of Luai's injury yet, but I heard some murmurs today. It could potentially be, you know, four to six weeks. I, I don't know. Again, I haven't really seen anything or read too much the last couple of days. And now that Harpy's getting a game, I know he's off the bench and he's likely to not play many minutes. But I, I'd be pretty worried that we've won the series, you've contributed six, seven players, you've lost your halves, you've got to manage that for a couple of weeks and hopefully get them back on deck and now you're nine, like your key players in your spine. Um, I'll be fingers, toes, eyes crossed, everything if I'm a Panther fan and Ivan Clear in particular that Arpy, regardless of what minutes he gets, comes through with a clean bill of health as does Yo, Martin, Catewell, etc. Because at the end of the day, when it's a dead rubber... It's hard, and he, selfishly, as a Melbourne fan, when I heard they were saying they potentially weren't going to give an exemption to let those few players go through camp, I thought that's probably not the worst thing right now. <laughs> Watching others have injuries and players not involved, but yeah, obviously, 
you want them to want to play Origin. You want guys to get their opportunity. And uh, like I said before, I, I, I honestly hope Moses goes well. I just think, for me, I would have gone with the Sowers pairing. Um, but given what we've got around him at the moment, I don't think his job's going to be overly complicated. Make your kicks, get early board of those outside backs, and if the forwards lay a good platform, there's not going to be a whole lot asked of him just to manage things, basically, do his job, kick well, um, and the goal kicking, obviously. And for Jack, similar deal, I think, for him. It's, his game's not overly complicated as is. He's more than likely, I guess, to play the left-hand side. He'll have the trail next to him. Defensively, that'll be a good edge with those guys and Tarek Sims. Um, run or pass early, just give early ball to those guys. I think their jobs are really uncomplicated, and hopefully um, we get a clean sweep. In Newcastle, we spoke last week about venues, is most likely to be the venue they're still talking about right now. So On the Queensland side of things, still talking about origin. Grant was obviously ruled out again. Uh, they've recalled... AJ Brimson, Ponga, in at one, Hammer, has been moved to the centres. So they're trying to get, I guess, speed to match up on a Tommy. Why I don't think he's defended that great there at club, but I guess he can cover ground. He can at least get up in his face. He can backtrack, cover a bit more, chase. So there's, there's options there. But again, I still think it's a bit early. Um, but with the point they're at, dead rubber game three, I would have thrown a bit of caution to the wind. Maybe got a few guys involved that you think have some potential future. Not as gone as far, like we said before, as a Walsh or a walker, I don't think it's their cross to bear right now, but any other guys that are sort of on the fringe or on the radar, it's, it's the time to do it. Um, in terms of that, there are other choices for feeder suspended, he's now out. Kate Wall's covering that spot in the back row. The forward pack's basically exactly the same, halves the same. Um, Hunt is the sole hooker, um, and the bench now has Tino, Moiaki, and I didn't see who they called up after Fafita was ruled out. But they did have an 18th, 19th, and 20th man from memory. So who did they have? AJ Brimson, Tino, Moiaki, Fafida. 18th, 19th, 20th are Molo, Mann, and Flegler. So more than likely, if Brimson's there, you're not going to see Mann. It'll either be Molo getting a second game or Thomas Flegler getting a debut. So all in all, I guess for them, for game three, playing for a bit of pride... Um, you got Brimson, Ponga back in, a bit more strike there, Hammer out in centre, so obviously they're hoping to get a bit more attack. I still think it comes down to what we've talked about the whole series. If you can't win, play 1-2. If you can't get rolling, you can't get on the front foot for your forwards and they can't lay a platform, your halves can't get involved. And with the limited chances they have had, Hunt will hopefully bring a bit more spark to the ruck and help out. But Munster and Cherry Evans have been on completely different pages. Uh, they need to figure something out for game three because they couldn't have been further apart on game plan and style of play game one and two. Yeah, 100%. So, they, they need to win the middle of the field. I think Ben Hunt at nine will do a good job of that. And hopefully their middles can get going forward, man. That's what they, that's really what they need. You can cut it any way you want. You can look at halves. You can look at, you know, their execution's a bit poor, but the Blues are just blowing up the path through the middle of the field. So they, they need to stem the tide there. Mm. All right, moving off origin. Tackle three. The rules... In general, uh, all the rules that have been introduced, whether it be six agains, the bloody no penalties, unless it's obviously something that stops the flow of the game. Uh, we've now got the high crack, the high tackle crackdown, which has suddenly disappeared. I think, in particular, the last couple of weeks and the score lines for everybody out there, and the argument that came out again. And we've had this before a little bit, but now you're starting to see some coaches 
and people in the media getting a little more involved in Wayne Bennett's comments the other day, which I found interesting. I also found them tactical because you know who he was talking about when he brought up that, you know, the rules are one thing, but part of it's also clubs with poor roster management, coaching, their environments, etc. I think out and out at the end of the day, the key word, we say it all the time, consistency. We want consistency. We're not getting consistency. I can't believe how... Well, you're not going to get consistency when you keep adding rules. I get that. But even the refereeing, like, a couple of weeks ago, literally anything was a penalty, borderline, a send-off. Things that, I, again, I don't have a big problem with and still think of accidents like Tuolagi popping Ponga on the weekend. Like, they didn't even get a penalty. Like, it's an absolute fucking joke that at Magic Round we'll slam it, everyone. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm just confused. I really, I really don't know. What's going on? Super Saturday was sloppy Saturday. Six points scored uh, by the losing sides, 46-0. By Melbourne as well, 66-0 Manly, 38-0 was the the Knights game. Like There was one or two close games, yes, but they probably weren't the greatest of games. Like the Penrith one, I think they torched themselves in the first half. They missed Nathan. They made a bunch of errors. Parramatta struggled to attack in the wet, as did Penrith. Ended up being a good close game. Uh, The Warriors won... You know, they, they led that in a canter in the last 10, 15 minutes. They just absolutely shit the bed. Yeah. But all in all, it was nice to have a close result and had them in the chair a little bit. But as far as the quality of the game, it, like, it wasn't a high-quality game. It wasn't something you were begging for. But I, I just think similar deal. It, he's got some right, and I've said the same thing, that there are some clubs that are poorly run and they manage their rosters poorly and they're not coached well. And there is a, all lots of contributing factors, but still making so many changes in such a short space of time on top of it has brought a bigger divide and has, has really made, you know, the, the top end stand out further and show the difference, again, in those areas just as much as the rules contributing. I think the rules is part of it, but I do definitely think it has highlighted a few clubs that are in a hole and need to make a lot of change. And half the argument at the start of all this bullshit was, well, Melbourne only win because they wrestle, Melbourne only win because of this, Melbourne only win because of that. Well, they won the comp last year and they're one of the best teams again this year. So if that was the point of the rules to take it away from them and this that like that's the that that's all that's all crap. The best teams will rise to the top. They'll adjust to any situation. Melbourne's done it. The Roosters were doing it before all their injuries. We're obviously seeing Souths having a little bit of inconsistency, but they're still right up there. Parramatta, etc. And the lower clubs are struggling even more with the changes. But I just think more taken away from all that side of things. All that is right, but we need to get the product back to a point where it's not all one way. At the moment, I feel like everything's all about attack. You can't change momentum. You can't break possession. The referee, even like the bunker decision, I know it was the right call the other day, but we haven't been able to rule on forward pass since God knows how long. No, I I agree with that one. It was a knock on. Because the the movement of the ball out of the hand, he wasn't in control of it. You need to have control for it to be a pass. Dude, if I juggle a ball and regain possession, or whether I'm passing, it shouldn't matter. Yeah, the point I'm... is that you've regained it. Yeah, but if I tap it on or do whatever, like I haven't dropped it, I haven't lost yeah, it. Yeah, you've got control. I have the ball. It's I get the knock on if it comes off your body, I get an advantage out of that, but I'm allowed no, to bother the ball. That, that was a knock on. Might, I don't have a problem with that call. I thought that was just people trying to be far too technical. Like he, no. he didn't have control, it came forward out of his hands. No, I thought they found a way to rule on a forward pass that was blatant. No, I, I, I disagree. But so, anyway. That's my opinion, but yeah. I, just again, that word consistency. I, I agree with bits and pieces of what have been said, but right now we probably have... There's too many six against, and teams have now worked out how to strategically use it. Hmm. Like I think I said this last week on the show, so... You know, you can, you can bring all these things in all, all you want, but coaches are going to find a way around it and find ways to 
manipulate it, and that's what that's what you see. But but I, I, I also think the the whole crackdown's dead in the water. Like that's that's going out the window. So yeah, I think teams should just get back to tackling how they were tackling previously. Because, like you said, what what was a send off for a sim bin at Magic Ground is now probably not even a sim bin. So. I don't know, I just think we're always going to have the bad one and, you know, like the bad one is in the Pappenhausen one and that, that should always be a send-off. It should have been a send-off in 1960 and it should be a send-off 50 years from now. So those ones we just manage and for the others that fall in between the cracks elsewhere, we just manage them as, as we go. Yeah. Uh, but the, there's just shit teams. Like there's, there's teams that have just got... Reserve, they're running around with reserve-grade teams, essentially. Mm. I mean, and then you, you've got the Canterbury situation where they lost five five players. Like they're not in a position to lose five players. No, well, they're, they're, when they've got their best side on the park, they're still the worst team in the competition. And, you know, they, they competed okay for probably the first 15, 20 minutes, but from from then on, when class rose to the top, they were always in for a long day. And I said that in post-match press up, so... That, that's, that's got nothing to do with rules. That, that's got everything to do with roster. So uh, you can... You need to pick little bits and pieces, and like you said, you need to look at the reasons why people are saying things. You know, Bennett, Bennett will say things to. Oh, I think I took that more what Bennett said as as uh, he was sort of shooting for a job next year. You know, look at me, like we're not a toxic culture. Where like, I thought it was a little bit about him, not so much about pointing the finger at, at other clubs. But yeah, I, I thought it was layered, but I also thought it was rich coming from him. Of course, it's layered. Everything with Wayne is layered. Yeah, because this is a guy who did some bad deals at Newcastle and fucked off. And yeah. when Brisbane, he's been throwing firebombs there forever, as we know. But he's the one who signed Boyd to the million dollar four year deal and yeah, Milford to the million dollar deal. And everyone's bringing up the other day. So I can't remember who it was. Someone said, "Oh, he had a board to answer to him." Like Wayne didn't fucking answer to anyone when he was there. It was only at the end that he was answering to anyone. Every decision yeah. that he made that's was why he left. that's why he went because he lost control of the joint. And like fucking, it, it's just funny. But like I said, I, I found it. A lot of it true, uh, but also at the same time, it was a little bit rich in some vein as well. But in terms of the rules, I do think we've gone too far one way, but at the same time... I, I, and I've said that I don't enjoy watching the game at the moment. No, and no, I, I also I go the other way, though, and go from a Melbourne point of view, I feel a little bit vindicated at times, though, when all the crap for all this time was, oh, you know, they only win because they wrestle and they do this, they do that. You've changed the rules, and if not, they're probably more fucking dominant now than they were before. So the best clubs are going to survive regardless. Good clubs, good environments, good coaching, good recruitment, all that um, is always going to be successful regardless of the rules, the way you change it. Those good clubs, those good cultures will always find a way to thrive. Yeah, of course so. We've seen the Roosters, like we said, they've copped a few big shellackings from the better teams, but they've still soldiered on given the troops they've missed. Parramatta, South, but in particular, Panthers Storm, who were the grand finalists last year, uh, Adapted and again this year with some changes uh, doing even better. So I think there's a situation in the off season where they need to sit down and address a few key areas and maybe try and find the balance. I thought last year the balance was a little bit better than what it is this year. I think this year we've gone even further the other way. And even when we talked about the the interchange plan and people talk about going down to six after watching it last year, um, that just that was blown out of the water for me. That that idea is well dead and buried. But looking at it now, we've definitely gone too far one way. So yeah, there's agree. reasons and layers behind that. But yeah, oh, I said true. I, I, I just didn't 
Not if that luck, the six again. No. Uh, looking at uh, tackle four, we've got the Raiders situation not getting any better. They turn up the other night, everything looks hunky dory. Um, and it's just really, really falling apart. And I guess the big question here, and I'm not going to spend as long because we've talked about it many times before, but just how the mighty have fallen. They've built this into a grand final team. They had all this resilience. They were great defensively, good attack. Next year, last year, lose some players. Guys come in, they fill the void. They get to a prelim. They're one game away from a grand final. Smart recruitment decisions this year. Accelerated development last year. You look at the situation and think they're in a great position here. Um, and it's just been blow after blow after blow. Leaks out of the club. The English guys and their situation, Papali, to Pine and, and now I'm more looking at it going well people are saying it's either Ricky or the group it's not going to be Ricky um, but you know blow up the roster and flip things over but it's it's not that simple because they invested in the success they've had the last couple of years thinking that the window was going to stay open and you've got guys locked up long term like Jared Croker who there's been murmurs and rumours around is he injured is he not injured is he playing like he's on the outer like, he signed until 2024 it's not going to be that easy to move on from Jared Croker even if they want it. You've got to pine until 23. Scott's obviously stood down at the moment from his situation, so they might be able to find a way out of that. But there's still some contracts here and some deals and some key guys. It's not as simple as just let's knock down and rebuild this right now. There's a few you can do that with. But if you also do that with your key guys, you need to build that whole foundation again to be able to attract key guys. That was the biggest thing when Ricky first got there. It took three to four seasons to do the knockdown rebuild, get some kids in, find the palms and try and find some pillars of stability before they could even try and get some people in the market or make some moves or do the super league. Like, this this has not been an easy process for the Canberra Raiders. No, there's a rotten piece of fruit there and they need to get rid of it. It's... The physical performance is just not changing. It's mental. They, like... Mentally, they're just not there. They're not applying themselves. Their efforts... Poor. Their body language is horrendous. They, their movements are bad. They're slow. They lack effort. They lack passion. Uh, I think you can just put it down to that. You're playing in an elite competition. If you don't have passion and a will and a want, then you're going to get found out pretty quickly. And they're getting found out now. Like the other one was embarrassing. The Titans. Tony scores six points against the Titans is pretty embarrassing because the Titans look like a sieve. And the Titans uh, scored three tries on them when they had a player in the sim bin. Uh, it's, it was nothing short of, yeah, disgusting. And I thought Ricky articulated it well after the game. And they're in a, they're in a huge hole. I think their season's gone now. They really needed to win that game. They probably had to win that game before where they led the Dragons as well. Like, if you throw those four points in, they're probably, they might be at the bottom of the eight. But I just can't see them, you know, what have we got, eight games left, nine games left? I can't see them putting together, you know, four or five in a row like they're going to need in, in, in order to get into the A. I just don't see it. So no. you're now talking about next year. What does that look like? You know, can you move players on? Can you work out, you know, who are those influencing elements that are causing these off-field issues? Are there are there fences that can be mended? Are there fences that can't be mended? That, that's where this, this situation now has to go. Yeah. So when you start next season, you, you're cleansed, you're right, you're, you're all moving in the same direction, you're, you're happy, you're passionate, you're playing for each other. And that, that's what good football sides and good organisations do. They When they hit 
times of adversity like this, they, they get through them very quickly and they don't allow it to, you know, put them down for two, three, four, five seasons. So, you know, look at how quickly Brisbane, you know, has, has spiralled out of control and, you know, Newcastle previously, Penrith, all those sides that have recently gone through rebuilds, it, it can... You need to be careful for what you wish for because if you get yourself right into a rebuild, it can be five to ten years before you even see any green shoots. Yeah, I think the only real upside for them, but they've got some key decisions to make. They've done well in their junior pathways the last couple of years, but yeah, they're, they're a variety. That, but are they, are they winning a comp in this cycle, in this window? Well, you wouldn't I mean, say this now. Was probably here, this was it? the one, like I had them right up there. A lot of people did, and I thought the moves yeah. they made, like I said, getting those guys back. And see, I didn't. I thought they'd missed their, missed their boat. Uh, but that, that was only it. That's not me saying, ha ha, I'm, I'm right. It's just, I just thought that. Yeah, but you wouldn't have picked this. They missed it. Oh, I, thought, I thought the year where they played the Roosters, that was that was their year. And, and look, last year, if they could roll Melbourne and play Penrith in the GF, I probably would have, I would have went Melbourne. I, I think they missed their, missed their chance. So now, are, are they trying to hang on to the possibility that this is, this roster can. Win the McComp. If the answer is no to that, then you really need to look at who's old, who's on big money, and who's unhappy. Mm, and yeah. I, I think that's the who's point. Contributing. I, I think they're at a point now where this this isn't going to be able to be safe. And those powers are the bigger name players, or a handful there, and more concerning. But you also need those players, like you said before. You need the players that you want to move on, playing decent footy. Like who's signing Jared Croker at the moment? No one. Not for what? Not for what I report well, reportedly. For a happy meal, that's about it. Well, yeah. I, again, he's not on uh, chump change either for where he's at, and he, that's my point. in terms of someone taking him, if he was willing to go, or they did want to move him on, they're not. Someone's not going to pay a lot. Um, like even like the Papali situation, he was the best prop or close to the last 18, 24 months, and to come into this season and just be like, you know, I need a bit of time off. They just extend him to twenty twenty five. Yeah. Like he's someone that would move on, but it's one of those guys look at it again and go, well, this is one of the pillars that we need or hope to keep to build on what we're working towards. But at the same time... Yeah, so I thought he played well on the weekend. Yeah, so did I. But it's just he concerning. The game well, and then to Pine, they had all these hopes around and they had him on good money before and he showed some great potential finishing the back end of last year. And you thought, wow, like this is another guy that could help with his step forward this year and to have the drama he's had in the form. And again, 2023, Hodgson... I think has been the most open and transparent of the lot, and I'll give him that. At least he's been up front and, uh, you know, open and honest about things. But where he is next year, that's another key decision they have to come up with. Like, all these decisions have huge ramifications about where they're heading. But I look at right now and similar deal again. I think now Watkins in Brisbane, he's going to be all over Hodgson. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I think he's a big, big fan of Hodgson, based on, you know, some of his commentary on 360. And I'd be shocked if he's not on the move to Brisbane. And even if he became available, I think there's plenty... You could do a lot worse and you wouldn't have to pay, I think, as high a dollar as you would have 12 months ago or the raps that were coming. So um, the fact he's off an injury, the fact his form has been okay... Do you fact have to pay 400? Yeah, probably five, four or five. I'd, I'd say at Canberra now, he'd be on close to seven, 800. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my point. I, so, that, in terms of if you're going to sign him for next year... Off a couple of injuries, some indifferent form... I don't feel and, uncomfortable paying any more than 400 for him. Yeah, and at his age and the way things have changed. and I, I guess it also depends on the spine you've got, but I think for them right now, the biggest thing, and he's doing a bit of it this week, is they've had some really good teams the last couple of years, their junior pathways. They've got some guys they've upgraded. If you feel like some of these guys are just not contributing and not doing the job, start the process again. 
started early. Yeah, but he knows that doesn't take two or three games. Like it's going to take 50, 60 games. No, I know that. But my point that, is, so. if they're going to head towards this situation, they've got a lot to look towards in the off season. But if you've got people now I think that those, are, all those boys need a preseason. You can't just start throwing them in and expecting it to be good. And, well, most of them already have done a preseason. That's my point. Yeah. And they they can jersey flag. They have their flag team basically based as their cup team. So similar to last year where they had guys come through earlier like Hudson Youngs and these guys and uh, when they played the Sharks and blooded almost 10 guys at the back end, they're accelerating development. But if you're going to get to a point where blokes are missing 70 tackles and just not trying, anyone that's on the fringe or even close to playing right now, you, you just have to do it. They're, I don't know where they go with some of those key decisions. They're going to have to make them in the off-season, but they've got some of those... Well, con- that late. They were, they were going to be... In- they were going to be in flag and not cup, and then really late, like as late as January, we got mail that well, nah, they're now going to come into cup and, and drop out of flag. So their flag is now playing in the. They still have a flag. They're playing in the local A group. Are they? Because a lot of the yeah. flag guys I can see here, their names are playing in the New South Wales Cup. Or... Yeah, so you better ones are in New South Wales. Yeah, the top cup. end. But they, yeah, they've got sort of the the guys that are in between ball and cup. They've got them playing. Like in an A grade side. Yeah, the comp down there. There's one or two teams that are loaded with some old because first they graders. Did that last year, is that right? They oh. had their twenties play in the A grade comp. They won the A grade easy. Yeah, so I think they've just stuck with that model this year. Mm. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that side of it, but yeah, they've got a lot of young guys. So there's some changes this weekend, but I think you look towards the future. Xavier Savage, Trey Mooney. Clay Webb, Rushton, who they brought up from England. I thought Tomoko's one or two games were all right. Smith Shields has been injured. Get him more time. Adam Cook, the guy they pushed in, Schneider, who's only young in the halves. Like, if you're not liking what you're seeing from, say, Sam, and they, you know, keeping him around for depth, or they've got Frawley there, who's getting a game like this week. Manasi Kahu, who come through as, like, a fullback center winger. Anyone that's showing any sort of promise with what you've got going there now, if there's guys that are literally just there hanging them by the skin of their teeth or they're off contract or they're not part of the future, just you, you move on because yeah. it, it's well and truly over. And then, yeah, they're going to have to have some hard talks and address those few guys we've talked about to see what their future holds. 28th of January, they decided to come in and do something else, Carl. Well, there you go. So, like, Rapana's off at the end of this year. If they're not going to keep Rapana right now, Savage or one of these guys, Smith Shields when he's healthy, Tomoko, get him in. If there's an issue with Croker... He's your club captain. You've got him signed up to 2024. They need to have a meeting. They need to sit down. They need to crunch it. They need to see where they're at. To, to, to Pine thing all year, he's been linked to other clubs. He's had injuries. There have been issues there. He's there till 2023. No doubt on the potential and who he is. Someone would probably take him completely off their books and they wouldn't have to worry about it. But they can't just keep a hold of these guys and let things keep shimmering. If there's an issue there, it's either got to be squashed or they've got to make some tough calls. Well, I think they've named Xavier Savage to play this weekend. So. Yep, he's named it fullback. Mm. Uh, tackle five, moving on from that one. Uh, the old Roosters look like they're running out of puff. Unfortunate situation, uh, but still see them holding their spot in the eight and finishing somewhere in that bottom half there. But I think the other night was a real, real low point in a season for them with uh, what they've had to deal with in terms of injuries, retirements, players not being there and... Uh, I saw some people saying, well, he's not using his bench. What's going on here? And then you see Saluka Fafita come on and his first play is to shoulder charge someone in the face. And you're like, well, yeah. this is kind it's, of where they've got to. It's not to. that he doesn't want to. It's that he doesn't have confidence in no. the guys who got there. And the result is gone, which I can understand. But at the same time, um, just it's it's 
it's a real hard situation. I, I guess the bigger question for this one is looking at Walker, the punishment he's taken at this point in time and his future. I know they've had issues with that shoulder. He's had surgeries prior. I don't know if he's up for surgery again, but I look at him right now and think you've got to manage him for the back end of the year because with their situation moving forward, guys that they're going to have come back, roster moves they're going to make on the back of these guys moving on, you don't want to break him. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying his year's done, but if they're sitting down there right now saying there's actually real damage to that or if it's just a niggle, I, I don't want that to accelerate. I, I think we've seen some good out of him. We've seen good with less troops and he's been good in games even when you know they've been down or they've been missing players. But I think there's enough bright sparks there to a point where, I don't know, load management for the rest of the year, pick some games that you want him to play in. But if he's busted right now, I'd be taking him out. Agree. Focus on the future. I'm sure there'll be some moves in the offseason that we don't see coming in terms of what they've got to do. They've got some good kids still pushing through. We'll see more of them uh, next year. But, yeah, the position they're in right now, I, I think it's more than certain, and we said at the time, that they're not going to be winning the comp. I'm sure they'll want to be there having a crack week one if they are on the bottom end. But I, I just think there's so much more at stake for the Roosters that's not worth the risk. Yeah, I would agree with that. Mm. And the last one I've got here, tackle six, the Eels the other night. I know they were missing Reed Mar- Marnie as Penrith were missing Edwards, clearing a couple others, but uh, a lot of people bringing up that question mark again. Can they get it done in a big game and do you consider them a premiership threat? I wasn't overly impressed the other night. And I'm not going to lay it all on that game, but again, uh, you get Penrith at Penrith. The crowd was taken out of the equation. A lot on the line for, say, a Moses. Um, I'm not going to put it all on the back of the kick. I'm going to look at the rest of his game, but didn't think he was overly that dominant. Uh, missing Marnie Hurts, but again, on the flip side, missing Cleary, missing Edwards, having their origin guys back up. Jerome was struggling. Yeah, went off for a little bit during the game. I'm still looking at Parramatta and got that worry that come crunch time, if they're playing a South, if they're playing a Melbourne, if they're playing a Penrith, if they've got a string together two or three weeks in the finals that I like their forward pack. I don't mind their outside backs, but I think they're struggling a little bit in yardage. Uh, at the moment, because C, as we spoke about in the past, probably doesn't contribute as much as you'd like. And losing Fergie while he's got the errors is at least a big body to throw himself in there. I, I just, I'm not completely sold on Parramatta. No, me either. But would your commentary be different if that kick went over and they won? I think everyone's commentary would be a little bit different. I still so, wasn't. Nah, I still wasn't overly impressed. And I thought yeah, if, if Penrith had. We talk differently about teams when they win and when they lose, like as much as you. People sort of don't want to acknowledge it. Results. We talk about results. We don't talk about performances. I, I didn't think the performance was great. Um, I've said all year. I just want to see them come finals. The, the only the only way they're going to get people to shut up and stop this conversation is by winning winning some finals matches. Yeah. And get themselves into a prelim or a grand final, and you know, winning it or competing in it. And that's it. That, that, that's. I think Brad Arthur and that squad have proved that. You know, they're a, they're a year-in, year-out finals team. But their reputation at the moment is that, that when they get to the finals, they're not good enough, they're not tough enough. They don't play that finals style of footy. Either because they're not tough enough to do it or they don't, they don't know how to do it. They haven't learned how to do it. So that, that's the next hurdle. So I, I, I'll just push pause on Parramatta. I know what they are in, in terms of the regular season. They're, they're a team that's good enough to, to get themselves into the top four Okay, but when they when they get to the finals in years gone by, they've shit the bed. So, ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well. 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Let's see what they do this year. The, the only way they're going to stop that is through their own actions. Yep. Um, couldn't agree more, but I, I just... Watching them week in, week out, um, what they're doing. Again, a lot comes off the forward pack. I think they do a great job. Probably need a little bit more from the OBs. But again, as a spine, I think this year, the dominant figure, Gutherson's obviously got his hand in everything and always trying to push around the ball. Marnie's obviously elevated his game. But I still look at Moses and think as other people become more prominent, I think he's actually become, you know, a bit more passive. I still think they play too sideways. I, I just, I don't know. And again, watching the other night, I was like, Marnie's not there. But Pendrith are missing a couple of key guys. Really good opportunity. I, I thought, you know, bar the couple of kicks, the missed bounce, Papali being just an absolute freak. Like, I, I, I was hoping to see more. I thought that was a real opportunity, and I tipped him, yeah. and it's not just based off that. that. Freddie sort of said, oh, he's wrapped in his kick game because, you know, they were kicking off their own 30 a lot. Well, I thought, well, they're kicking off their own 30 a lot because Mitchell Moses won't run the ball in yardage, mm. and they won't change their game plan. No. Because their game plan wasn't working. They, they weren't winning that cycle battle that end-to-end field position battle so they, they needed to change something kick a play earlier have one of the halves run yeah well, um, and even and with their attack then, like... you know shift and scoot or just try something try something different and that's not to say that Brad Arthur hadn't mentioned that or didn't have plans for that or wouldn't have encouraged that because I know, I know what it's like to have a plan and then have players not follow it and also watch your team continually make the same mistake over and over again despite you've the fact that you've coached and you know you've, you feel as though you've prepared them for you know what's actually happening on the field but you know when, when the blowtorch is on it's not a training run it's not a video session and, no. and it takes more than you know just good coaching it, it takes good players with composure and understanding how to weigh the game up and understand what's right for that situation and Ivan clearly said that after the game you know like he he felt as though Jerome took a little bit longer to really assess and weigh up the game and, and work out what was what, what was needed. And uh, he said, you know, Nathan would have Nathan really would have summed that up a lot earlier. And I, that was a really interesting comment. If you're looking at halves and halves coaching and what what is the difference between your elite and you know those guys that are you know pushing to be elite, which I will throw Luai and. and Moses into that category together. They're trying. They're trying to get on that Cleary level. That that's the difference. Understanding how to ad- adapt your game and the way you manage the game in every single individual game, based on opposition, weather, referee conditions, all, all that stuff. And Cleary's just got that down. You know, at, at a level that I haven't seen since. You know, you talk about those guys, like your Crocs and your uh, Smiths and, and those sort of guys who could just sum that up pretty quickly and, and put their team in good positions to win games. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, but that wraps up our set of six. Jumping into our power rankings brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. Don't be sidelined this season by rising power bills. The team at PSC 
are dedicated to providing you and the residents of Western Sydney with the highest quality solar solutions. When it comes to tackling your electricity bills, the team at Penrose Solar will get you over the trial line, save you thousands per year. Give them a call today, 1800 20 or visit au. Number one, Melbourne Storm. Simple. Storm. Um, Panthers are two. Yeah, Panthers, those two pretty much straight out. Number the th- Rabbitohs at three. Yeah, I've left the Rabbitohs at three. I think they were hot and cold the other day, but again, I'm more pacing off the fact of what they did last year, how Wayne works. He's not heavy in the preseason. Uh, they're working their way through the origin period. They're just sort of doing enough, but I'll, I'll be more interested to see the last, say, two, three rounds heading into the finals if they try and just ignite like they did last year. But um, for now, I'll put them there. Number four, I've got Manly. Yeah, I've got Manly as well. Yep, they've been outstanding. Um, would still still looking for a game. I, I still think the run they've had, I'm not defending anything. Like, they've been lighting teams up, but I could, the only game I can think of against the top side was Parramatta, and they got the job done. Uh, the Penrith game, they were there or thereabouts, but I, I didn't think they were that great against Penrith. So I'm, I'm waiting for a Melbourne game or someone in that top four of South to get a, a better gauge on them post-origin. Uh, number six, I've still got the Roosters, regardless. So of, we've got, hang on, we've got Eels at five? Yep, Eels at five. Yeah, okay, Roosters at six? Yep, I've left them there. I know they're yeah, short of six. troops and they're hurting, but if they played anywhere on the bottom end, I'd still have confidence they'd probably towel them up, to be honest. Just my opinion. Uh, seven and eight are the interesting ones. So I thought the Sharks were starting to make some headway. Then they lose to Brisbane on the weekend. You've got yeah, well, I've got um, I've got Newcastle at seven. Yep. Or well, I had the Dragons at seven prior to what happened, and obviously that win and getting themselves in. Um, and I had Newcastle at eight. Yeah, eight. Oh, man, I don't have the Dragons in based on what's happened in the last few days. So. Um, I guess that's yeah, another... I'd, probably st- I'd stick the Sharks there, but I think that was a big loss from the Sharks on the weekend. Mm, and that's, I guess, the question now. The Sharks had a chance. You know, and then you, does that mean that because the Titans won so well, they sneak in and eighth in the rankings? Are... Probably not. Well, well, I don't know. Well, if the Sharks win... Just anyone. Like now, I, 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 if the Knights can keep Palmer and Pierce on the field, I'd throw them... I think they're, they're going to be a top eight side. But... You know, who knows what's going to happen with Palmer and Pierce because they're both fairly injury prone. So, but taking that into consideration, you've then got Dragons, Sharks, Cowboys, Titans, Warriors all fighting basically for one spot. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, this weekend's a big game for the Warriors. It was a tough loss last week. They've had six losses by six points or less this year. Could be a completely different story. Yeah. If they jagged a couple of those, yeah, they've had a heap of injuries. And oh, it's been horrendous. They've been guys in and out. They've had spine changes. They lost their two key signings for an extended period at the start of the year, and for Neil Blake and Aitken, um, you know, they've made moves mid-season to get some troops on board. Chad, who played on the weekend, apparently finished with a shoulder and a leg problem, so he might not be available. Um, but they played Cronulla this week, who dropped those two points. Could have been equal with the Dragons on sixteen and pushed away, but they're still in that log jam with the Cowboys, the Knights. Uh, sitting right behind them, equal eighth. The Titans, like you said, who have bombed a few. That win drags them equal with the Warriors, the Raiders. Like that, there's still a lot to go on here. But you've got the Raiders playing Manly this week, both without their Origin players. If they were to lose that one, you'd definitely say they're dead and buried. The Cowboys are playing South without their Origin players, and they're missing a couple themselves, which is not ideal for them. And then you've got Cronulla, obviously, against the Warriors, where the Warriors 
are playing a team that's basically unaffected anyway, coming off a tough loss. They get lodged across. Uh, it's a situation where, again, it's one they need to win. It's a team directly in front. These yeah, are essentially four-point games. So the loss to the Dragons and a couple of the other losses they've had um, by field goals or close, it's really, really put them in a, a tough situation, but they need to win. So there you go. There's the power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Soul Centre. Review the matches from the weekend now. Some of them don't need a whole lot of review, including the first one, Melbourne, 46-0 over the Roosters. Honestly, the first 15, 20 minutes was a little bit like the Penrith game. I, I sort of sat there and thought the Roosters are up for it. Um, they're cycling well. I thought they were on top of Melbourne. They were rolling. They were physical. And just one sort of snap moment there where Munster kicks that ball through later in the half and they, they start finding some tries the bounce of the ball and Nico Hines runs against the grain Dale crashes in and it just gets you just start to see it unravelling and you're looking at the Roosters you've seen a team like we said that's relying on some guys short on some troops poor conditions they're up against the red hot Melbourne side mind you but once they lost control of that and at the back end it, yeah, it was that, a contest for 20 minutes and then it was a smash up for 60 I'd said it off the last time yeah. that, was, that was it they very uncharacteristic for them. Couldn't play through Melbourne, tried to play around Melbourne. Very, very pretty. Like they they're just struggling. Tedesco tried his ass off. His hand was in everything. Tupo, even like a guy who's busy every week, just frustration, made some errors coming out of yardage. Poor Sam Walker just got barraged by the Melbourne players, defensively, offensively. The hit that Olam put on him, like, yeah, no thanks. But for Melbourne, just same old, same old. The, the beast rolls on. Still no Grant. No Nelson, no Pappenhausen. Nico playing off the back of that forward pack, which is outstanding again. Cheese's form's been good. Dale, the last few weeks in particular, after finally getting some consistent game time together, um, you know, he, he's been quite good as well. But, yeah, for the Roosters, it's a situation with the troops and completing at 60%, 40 misses. It's uncharacteristic, but, yeah, I, I literally think they're just getting to a point where it's all catching up with them and they need to get Radley and a couple of these guys back in the next few weeks to try and help out at the back end of the season but the big takeaway again was watching Walker he's a tough bugger and he's pushing through but if he's busted up I'd be coming up with some sort of plan like I said before to manage him through the back end of the year yeah we need a gong for these years yeah Warriors, Dragons. Like the old Red Simon's gong just <laughs> classic well, that's it. Uh, Dragons Warriors Close game. Early, I thought the Dragons had... That was ugly. The team wanted to win. They fucking almost couldn't get it done in Golden Point. No, well, early doors, they had all the run of possession opportunity, the Dragons, and thought... It was that messy, it was entertaining. That's how it summed this game up. Mm. They had their chances, and they they couldn't really capitalise, and before... They had 18-8 with eight to go, weren't they? The Warriors did, yeah. But early doors, like, you felt like the Dragons should have banked more points. They got one try, but they had all the possession territory, and then the Warriors just... Late on, completed high. They were 17 for 17. Katoa had an outstanding game. Obviously, had a couple of injuries as well. They just isolated him a couple of times. The crash in play not long after that was another one where they've just got a smaller man. The, the dummy they fell for from Egan was poor. And um, second half at 8 and 8, like you said, you felt like they were cruising. And then there was just this 15-minute period where they capitulated. Fanua Blake throws the ball at his ass. Seven tackles set. They're brand new edges while they've made these changes. Like, just... Completely disconnected. The cosy edge, they were on a completely different planet. Beal walks over the line. Uh, the, the other side of the field happens again. They obviously find themselves with the situation with Chad missing that field goal. 
uh, seven tackles, sent him the other way. And then literally on full time, Gallon, for some reason, is tucked in behind. I don't know why. Um, he's the only one not connected. If he was up on there and he lands on the pass, they might stop it. But that they were just so disconnected in the last 15 minutes. They couldn't stop anything. They couldn't stop the momentum. They couldn't hold the football. Corey Norman misses four kicks. It goes to Golden Point. And then in Golden Point, the Warriors, again, just make a couple of comical errors and beg the Dragons to beat them. And they finally did. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. It was just, as I said, two sides trying to lose, but someone had to win. Six games by less than six points really hurts. Right. I think, the, was it Manly by a field goal? And then the second time they played Manly, they led with seven to go in a shootout of points. Um, I think they've been beaten. This one was a field goal. I think they've had three games that were field yeah, goal. Next game. So, for the Warriors, um, yeah, not ideal. See what troops they have this week, but a couple of guys struggled out of that one. For the Dragons, we know what's going on there. Uh, they've got the bye this week, which is probably good timing. Good timing. Panthers, Eels, 13-12. Uh, honestly, they both struggled offensively. Yeah, it was an ugly game. The weather um, obviously was part of that. A bit disjointed. I thought Parramatta did what they usually do in these situations. Uh, they tried to play two sideways. They push the football sideways without earning the right. Players just release. They slide off. They defend. I think they lean on Papa Lee way too much, despite the fact it works for him. He busted 13, 14 tackles again the other night and was absolutely outstanding. One-man wrecking crew he is. But um, on the Penner side of things, surprised that he went with May, not Burton. I know he's missing Momorowski, and he had that left edge, so he was kind of probably thinking to himself, this is my best option defensively and offensively uh, for tonight. I think he but... said it was more about wanting to play everyone in their position yeah, and well, not have minimal changes whereas you know in the weeks ahead he sort of flagged that yeah guys are going to guys going to move around but mm. I want to have time to train them in those positions before I do it which I think is smart well if Edwards is back Momorowski wasn't available I dare say that May will be back to playing off the bench which is probably the best spot for him I think Burton Luai long term and in particular not knowing what's going to happen with Nathan is your way forward. It May's not in the halves with Lua. Um, I think also what's hindered him, and he's copped a lot of flack from people saying he's playing bad, he's doing this, he's doing that. The last couple of years, also on top of the year he missed, he's barely played consistent rugby league in any position full stop. He hasn't been playing cup. He's playing first grade off the bench. He's covering multiple positions. He really hasn't had any sort of consistency of playing a position or getting game time. So... It's hard to jump in and run a team in the halves when you're literally not getting... That's what training's for, though. I get that, but training is also a certain amount of reps. We know that a game's very different. Mm. So I just think, you know, what they've got there, his best spot for me is covering, being that utility. If Momorowski was available, I think Burton would have been in the halves. And the way forward, if Cleary is going to be out for the four weeks or if they get to the point where he ends up having surgery or he's not going to be available, it's Burton and Luai moving forward. Yeah, that's what, that's what we think. But um, I thought attacking-wise, yeah, they both struggled. Penrith didn't help themselves in the early part of the first half, gave Para plenty of opportunities. Para obviously scoring off the, the kicks mostly and that sort of side of things, struggled pushing sideways. And Penrith in the second half, uh, Arpy was the difference. Arpy stepped up, was very, very good. Lua, I thought, was okay. Kicking game was okay. They really leaned on trying to get kick out on that crash play. And I have to give a rap to Dylan Brown. He made 40 tackles and he hit him a couple of times. He was outstanding. Um, lots of pressure on him and he did a great job. But it all come down to the back end of the game, obviously, and that field goal. And um, Moses, unfortunately, pulled it to the left. I honestly didn't think it was a penalty. 
I didn't think it, there was that much in it. Um, it's one of those ones I look at. Why is he doing that? Well, he was moving in the direction of the ball at least, but yeah, watching yeah, it. I don't know. I don't know. I was like, it's it's a 50 50. Like, yeah, 100%. They were both as bad as one another. So, I don't understand why Lord Martin's doing that. Like, it's just yeah, dumb. I didn't think it was great, but um, yeah. I thought one of Blake's side was just a dumb, though. So. Yeah. But, yeah, well, Moses had a crack at a field goal as well in the set sort of before that. Missed it. So, he had, he had both a crack at a field goal and a penalty goal. He should have, he should have fucking nailed the goal. You can cut that any way you want. Um, they're, they're the goals that you need to be kicking. But the midfield goal gifted Penrith a seven tackle set, and that's what sort of gave them the field position to kick their field goal. But yeah, they, they, yeah it was an ugly game. Yep. Conditions didn't really suit. Well, I think it's a bonus for Penrith because Penrith, I was surprised that they rolled their players in. I thought they would have rested for sure. I didn't think it was I think a game. The biggest thing is that it keeps the streak alive at Penrith Stadium. That would have ended the streak. How many is that? They now have a loss there in almost, I think it's going to be two years now. Well, they've got a betting market for it when they will lose or if they'll be undefeated at Blue Bet Stadium. So um, I think they've got South and a few others to finish off, but they're a pretty good chance post Origin with the games they've got left to be undefeated yeah. at Penrith Stadium. So see what happens. But Burton finally got to kick a field goal. He obviously had that game last year, he missed a couple. Um, iced it and. Moses couldn't do it the other way, but yeah, Harpy was great. Fish again. I thought Sorensen was outstanding off the bench. Um, yeah, he played well. And yeah, for Parramatta, the standout's been the same guy all year. Isaiah Papali is just a freak. Yeah, um, great, great pickup uh, on their side of things. I think it's only a year or two. I don't know what they did, but he's only 22. He was raw when he was at the Warriors. They need to sort something out there because he's uh, he's a hell of a player. Yeah. Uh, moving on from that one. Manly versus the Dogs, 66-0. Literally, this was a training run. It was always going to be hard, given that they're already one of the worst teams in the competition. And then you've got five guys out. They lose Kotrick not long before kickoff. They blooded Bailey Biondo, Chris Patolo, and Felikiku Manu. Like, Biondo's only been playing flag. I think Patolo's between that and maybe a couple of games of cup. So, last-minute call-ups. And Felikiku Manu has obviously been playing. Oh, correct me. I, I don't think Patolo's played. Cup either. Yeah, that's Kicks what I mean. Has, Kicks has played Cup all year, but... Kicks has played Cup and been there for a few years and is, is a former 20s player from their pathway and, and a great story, which I won't go into, but I'm sure plenty of people read it on the weekend, but this was always going to be a no-win situation. You're coming up against one of the hottest attacking teams in the competition right now. You've got players injured. You've got guys suspended from breaching the COVID bubble as well, unavailable to you. They had brand-new edge combinations and at times mainly scored without even having numbers just because people were so disjointed and haven't had any time together that um, it, it just it got really ugly yeah and it was ugly that's it there's a smash up derby Canterbury are just looking for the end of the year they're releasing players and talking about getting rid of players left right and centre so yeah and I think what summed it up and truly on what summed it up and everyone probably would have seen it by now is Barrett sitting out at the press conference looking around for a minute then rubbing his face and saying fuck me so, good times for Trent, unfortunately. But, yeah, Titans-Canberra, 44-6 again. Um, what really summed it up, tight first half until the sin bin came and you thought, here's a chance for Canberra, and then of all things, they concede three tries. How that happens when you've got 12 on the field is absolutely unheard of. Sometimes you might have one against the run of play, which surprises you, but to concede three times in eight minutes with a man in the bin, um, put him in at 20... 20- 
awful. We said it before. They, they got no passion. They got no ticker. They got no want. They got no energy. They got no physicality. They're at home. Sunday Arvo. And the fans Sunday left night. freezing cold. Yeah. They've turned yeah. up and they left at half time. Yeah, um, the Titans are flying in, flying out. Like they're back to you know last year's rules, so it's difficult. Yeah, good luck. That's, yeah. that's hardly Gold Coast type conditions. Like we've, we've got a horrendous record down there, I think. Yeah, um, just it's more the, the players. Canberra's quick. They've they've mailed it, mailed it in. Yeah, well, Hodgson eight misses, Croker six, Jack Sam like five apiece. Ghoul if like. Blokes are just grabbing arm tight. Like, they're really, really... But Ricky Stewart and Madge McGuire are two blokes at the moment who keep talking about changes. They need to actually ring some. Yeah, well, that's kind of my point I'm making before. Like, even especially when their cup side's leading and there's guys, at, say, a Tigers you're talking about, and Tuolagi and haven't played first grade are looking for an opportunity and are doing the right thing, we'll reward them. Yeah, right. You may still lose, but it's better off, you know, giving the same guys a jersey every week if they're not having a fucking crack for it. If I'm going to go down... On my sword, I'm at least going to go down with guys that I think are doing the right thing. But for the Canberra side of things, yeah, uh, it was embarrassing. Titans, one of those games where we look at what they can do in attack, and I don't think they're really challenged in defence. But yeah, 12 line breaks. Canberra had 66 misses. Papali was the only real standout with 160 metres, a couple offloads, no missed tackles. Uh, Brimson brought some spark, took some pressure off your halves. Fogarty had a good night. Herbert, and there was a lot of guys there that had a pretty good night. But again, um, not much opposition, and hopefully we get to see them post-Origin try and make up for a couple of those losses. And they're still in the hunt, but again, they're one of these ones that any losses now are going to be critical. <laughs> so Yeah, they need to string a couple in a row. For Fida, obviously, as we said, uh, that hit, a lot of people didn't think much of it. Others were like, well, he's got priors, and that's the reason he got suspended. I thought the sin bin was sufficient. Uh, but again, given the crackdown and what I saw on the weekend, compared to a couple other ones that hit the head or what happened, uh, just goes back to my point about consistency. I thought it was stupid, but I didn't think it was the worst hit I've seen. No, it wasn't. So, I thought, yeah, it's uh, sufficient. Yeah. Knights-Cowboys, 38-0. Again, another one that was 22-zip at half time. The Cowboys just... They really, really struggled. It was always going to be hard. They've had a hard week with COVID and the lockdown and not being able to train and guys in a bubble. So they've had next to no preparation. Um, they've come down. Newcastle finally got Pierce, got Ponga. Clifford's had a few games now. Braley, it's the best spine they've had, as Adam O'Brien said, basically since round two last year. Um, back at home, just yeah, pulled them apart. The difference between having Pierce and Ponga making to their side is incredible. you got Braley there again, who had less pressure. They played with much better width with Pierce and Ponga. You've got Ponga also floating around the ruck, making guys accountable, playing through there. His ball playing on the edge. He's running through it. He pressures inside shoulders, outside shoulders. He gets halves to turn out. He gets centers in a jittery position. Pierce is kicking control. Um, I think nothing but positives here that we talk about them and their situation as long as they can stay healthy, which has been the biggest issue. And then to see Safidi... Safidi go off who's been outstanding all year is a concern and he's obviously going to miss Origin but for them I hope it's nothing too serious because they've just been cycling through this anytime they get one back they lose two or get this guy back in the spine someone else pulls out like it's last year it was Braley Pierce Ponga missed some games this year Ponga's missed a shitload of games Pierce missed eight weeks like they, if they can keep these guys together string a couple of wins together get Frizzell back get Best back right before finals and get their troops going They'll be in a really good position. Anything? 
Australia. All right, there you go. Moving on. Sharks, Broncos. This one was actually quite enjoyable considering, but um, for Cronulla, I guess, caught out. Been on a bit of a bit of a good run. Turn up the Brisbane. Second gear all game. It looked like, you know, they were kind of just expecting to get the job done, but they, they found some resistance from the Broncos. And I think the biggest thing to take away here for me from the Broncos was they finally showed some defensive resilience. Because Cronulla had... Kevy abused them before the game. I told you, that's the secret. Just the old blow up. Kevy's just got to be... Go, go to his strengths. His strengths are his passion. His, you know, his enthusiasm for the jersey. Like, that's got to come across to the players. And he did it again pre-game and they got a result. I'd, you know, work out a way to sort of try and, you know, manifest that sort of situation pre-game every week. Because that's what they need at the moment. Which is, which is shit as a coach to feel as though... You almost got to put on that type of performance pre-game to get your side to really buy it and have a go. But that's where they are at the moment, the Broncos. So. But yeah, Cronulla just—I yeah, don't know how to explain that one. No, that was a, that's a huge loss for them. Yeah, one hundred percent. When you racked up wins or got or teams around they lost you, the Bulldogs as well. So it's, they've lost the two teams on the bottom of the table. No, it's never going to help you when you're in that middle ground there, trying to hold on to a spot. You give them those two wins, they'd be on eighteen. They'd be similar to Manly they'd almost be two wins clear of everyone so um, after showing some really good signs and building a bit of form Moylan pulled out before the game with a calf I thought Trindle in attack was pretty good but defensively they tried to spot him up and there was just a couple other moments um, you know again I thought they really struggled to get going forward early like Tolman and Wood starting together just doesn't work you've got two guys that just plod you got no ruck speed it makes it really hard I, I think they need to break up that combination you've got Ueli back in uh, they've got Williams and a couple of guys a little more mobile, Rudolph on the bench. They need to break up that rotation. You can't have Tolman and Woods work in your middle together at the same time. No, agree. That does not work. But, um, yeah, some good moments there for some young Broncos. Stags, they not meant... Not front rows, but similar front rows. Yeah, similar. You, you need a bit of a point of difference when you've got that. When they're on, I just felt they're both, you know, they get through work, but they're, they're not bending the line. They're not generating much ruck speed. They're guys you can kind of spot up when you're running through the middle as well. Um, that you need to break that up, but yeah, there was there was some poor moments, some poor defensive reads. They really got impatient as well inside twenty when they had some opportunities. I thought the two guys, as always, that have stood out all year, Connor Tracy, Will Kennedy, um, both been very very good. Rudolph and a couple of these guys tried, but again, also had some poor moments when New ran through that scrum and scored. I think it was Rudolph he burned. Um, he had a fantastic game. He started to show some good form. Stags obviously coming back, so positive for them. And Haas's next level, and the way he finished the game, chasing that ball and knocking it dead, that bloke's a freak. Good player. Like, for his size, speed, footwork, mobility, but the engine is incredible. Um, something else, that's for sure. But last one, South versus Tigers. Honestly, the first half was a training run, and Madge said exactly as much. I honestly thought South weren't even trying that hard, but they just pulled him apart and... The crazy part, and it brings up the point we're making, if they can catch fire at the back end of the season or if defensively I can take them seriously against a Panthers or a Storm, is Wayne Bennett's message at halftime apparently was be ruthless, forget about the score, we want to hold them to nil, and they almost lost the second half. They conceded a couple of poor tries. They scored a few late, um, but yeah, at the moment, they're doing as much as they need to win. I don't think they're even close to playing their best football or putting together... 80 minutes, they've been lucky enough to put together 30, 40 minutes in most of the games that they've won at times. So I think the scarier part is, and we said this last year, if they can get to the point where they even play for 60, 65 or so with what they've got. Attacking-wise, I think there's no limit. Defensively, I don't trust them. 
But attacking-wise, if they're in a game, Reynolds, Walker, who was great yeah, again. Murray had one of his better games. Like, Latrell was kind of cruising, but off the backup. But, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of South. I think they've got the cattle there. But can you just kick it into gear at the back end of the season? I, I don't know. Well, that's the end. That's the um, they're going to have to be far more consistent, aren't they? To yeah. beat those top sides, but West Tigers, they're, they're more concerned. Jesus. Man, I'll tell you who really lost. Got... I need some men. I need some men. <laughs> I'll tell you who really got me the other day. Off of got me the other day. And it's not one of these guys that people saying, oh, they need an overhaul and they've rostered. Like, well, they fucking bought him. They bought him down. They extended him. He turned into a fake tough guy at the back end of the game. He was throwing shit offloads out of his ass. He was trying to fight everyone. It's just like, well, it's too late, mate. The game's over. If you're going to be tough or you're going to go after people, do it when the fucking game's, you know, actually in the yeah. balance. Um, him, McKayley had a few blundered, like a shock of moments. Like, it, yeah, it just wasn't a good day. There hasn't been many good days recently for West Tigers fans, unfortunately. So, fiends. Fiends. The players, to him. But, yeah, not... Uh, not great on their end. I, I will say, though, the, the dickhead of the day must go to Adam Reynolds for putting his foot dead. Yeah, in, in that win of all things, just fucking put the ball down. He did the old David Peachy. Yeah. He went there and he did the surfer. That was a fucking total wipeout. Zero score there on the tour. <laughs> just ground the footy. <laughs> but there you go. That's uh, wrapped up. Tips for this week brought to you by bluebet.com.au. Make sure you jump on the website, bet with a true blue bookie. There is no one better or download the app today. Bluebet.com.au. Short and round with Origin. Uh, the last what one. What about last week's scores? What's that, mate? What about last week's scores? You got last week's scores there? Tips, you got six. The rest of us all got five. So you are now on 91. What, were the two, though? what, what two did I get wrong? Uh, where's my other sheet? Don't know. You got wrong Sharks and something. I can't remember. It was Sharks and something else. I remember we tipped similar. The only other one, I tipped one different, do you? I tipped the Raiders. You tipped the Titans. But I can't remember what the other one was. But you got six. The rest of us got five. I'm trying to bloody think now. I'll find the piece of paper. I've got it all in your bloody folder. But you've got one back. So you're now on 91. I'm still lingering last on 88. And you've reeled in gossip and roast. Gossip's on 92, roast on 93. So you guys are looking like you're in a bit of a contest. I've got a fair bit of work to do. You do? I'm lingering at the back. But uh, looking at the lineups. Short and round. Fuck, I hate short and rounds. Yeah, they're hard to pick. Let me look at the first game here. It's Manly up against the Raiders Thursday night. A couple of changes. Garrick obviously moves to fullback. Sully comes in on the wing. Uh, with that change out, yeah, with Tom obviously being gone. Dylan Walker has been named to play at seven alongside Kieran Foran with Cherry Evans out of the side. So a couple of changes there. Jack kazuski has been named among the reserves as he's close to coming back from an injury. And uh, also Kate Cust comes back onto the bench. And for the Raiders, obviously on origin duty, Mapali, Jack Whiten, Xavier Savage, the young bloke who was unfortunately illegally debuted the other week, gets a real crack. He's playing fullback, Bailey Simonson. After being okay the last few weeks, he looks like he's going to be out for four to six weeks with a toe injury. White, Matt Frawley gets his first game of the year with Jack White, obviously missing. Gula, starting prop with Papali out. Ryan James comes on the bench. And Hudson Young earns a recall with Ed, Elliot White head injured. That foot to the face he copped the other night, that, that, that was bad. <laughs> that was not a fun time. 
So, looking at this one, um, I think just the confidence that's going through Manly right now, I know they're missing two key players in particular, but I, I, I think they're just in a completely different headspace and with a couple of guys coming in there in positions for the Raiders and just how flat they've been recently and it's at Brookvale, I, you'd have to stick with Manly. Yeah. Not a whole lot of confidence, but um, yeah, taking Tom out is obviously a challenge, but since they've kind of gone on this run and got some confidence, they've been uh, playing well. So, Blue Bet agree. They're heavy favourites at $1.24, $4 for the Raiders at minus 14 and a half is the line, even without Tommy and uh, Cherry Evans not being there. Second game, Souths up against the Cowboys Friday night at ANZ Stadium. And, uh, Blake Taff gets named to replace Latrell Mitchell at fullback, so his first full opportunity not coming off the bench to play there. Good young player, keep your eyes on him. Braden Burns also comes in for a very rare game this year after the back of injuries. He replaces Dane Gagai in the centres. Harme Sele moves to lock to cover for Cameron Murray. Tom Burgess comes back in to start at prop. Joden Sewer is recalled to cover for Jai Arrow. And Benji Marshall starts at hooker with Damien Cook out. Pat Mager and Peter Mamazoulos are the new faces on the bench. So a lot of change on uh, the south side of things for the Cowboys. Dejan Arce comes in at the back for Val Holmes, who's away on duty. Connolly Lamilu makes a return to fill in for Hamiso. Cohen Hess starts a prop with Lachlan Burr on the bench, but they may swap around. And Tom Gilbert comes back in with Francis Molo out. And uh, Kyle Felt, his exclusion from the Queensland squad, is welcomed. And, uh, yeah, they get him back in that side there. But this is an interesting one for me because I, I still like the makeup of the south side. I, I know a bit about Taff. He's a really, really good player. Burns is a good replacement. They've still got their halves. We know what Benji can do. And the young kid member Zulos, so... Um, I think this is a, a good opportunity to get another win, even missing their troops. And on the flip side, Arcee gets his first taste for this year at fullback. I'll be interested to see him, but yeah, I think that they've been struggling the last few weeks. They've pro- had problems with their edge combinations, particularly defensively. And said it the other week, they were, they were kind of flowing and in a good spot with Drinkwater, Clifford, and the spine, and making that change mid-season with Dearden's obviously not going to just gel overnight. So. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I'll go south as well. Yeah. Bookies agree. Heavy favourites with blue bet $1.15 again. Now south, the Cowboys are $5.40. And uh, the line in that one, minus 16.5. Dogs up against the Roosters. And uh, despite four of those five players going into isolation, the only one back, uh, oh, only one missing out, sorry. Brandon Wakeham. Corey Waddell comes into the second row. Katoa replaces Marshall King, who's now suspended at dummy half. Aaron Shook comes back in for Fala Kikumanu. And Dylan Napa's in for Arva, who's also suspended. Joe Stimson is promoted from the bench to start in the back row. Topine goes to the reserves. Matt Dory is missing from a head knock. Bailey Biondo retains the 14 jersey. And Ophihigi, Olging, and Renoff Tony have been named on the bench. And for the Roosters, a very, very welcome recall. Victor Radley is back at lock. Ben Marsky has failed to make the 21-man squad. Isaac Liu goes from 13 to the back row to replace Crichton. Billy Smith makes his first appearance after a wretched two years uh, with injury. Joe Manu covers for Tedesco at fullback. Sawali misses out with Ikevala record on the wing. And Drew Hutchison swaps place with Lachlan Lamb after making his return via the bench while Nat Butcher... Ben Thomas replaced Fletcher Baker and Daniel Saluka for feeder 
on the interchange bench. So uh, a lot of change, but I think looking at the Rooster still with Marno at the back, still got Morris, Walker, Verrills has another game on his belt, Toki, Radley back in. Um, I, I think the Dogs will give a good account of themselves getting those guys back in, but I, I'm going to go towards the Rooster still. What do you think? No, I'm going to the Roosters. I think Manu is excelled when he's played at the back. I think Billy Smith's a good player. Um, you know, Liu going to the back row. He's definitely not Ang- Angus Crichton, but he'll do a job. And Radley coming back in, um, I think that'll certainly bring something they've been missing the last few weeks. They, Some guys are just character guys. They're high-energy guys. Like when Brandon Smith comes on for Melbourne, you can just kind of feel the tempo shift. I think Radley after... If they're playing anyone but the dogs, you probably... Consider well, with the troops they're missing, yeah, and with the yeah. bench like Egan Butcher, Nat Butcher, Ben Thomas, Lockett Lamb, it's not the greatest I think bench. The, um, the odds are a little bit disrespectful. Though. I mean, the dogs probably deserve the odds they're getting, but yeah, yeah, Roosters, but yeah, well, what's, what's the start? Points nine and a half with BlueBet.com. The Roosters are a dollar ten. The dogs are six dollars fifty. Mm. So, did that name Walker? Yeah, Walker's in there with Hutchison. They've got Jared, Verrills, Tokiaho, Liu, Tupanua. Jared, Jared got found guilty at judiciary, so he's out. Oh, he's out, is he? Mm. Well, that hurts. Well, if that's the case, who does that mean? Toki. So, Ben Thomas or one of the Butcher brothers will have to start as a middle, and they'll bring someone else in. So, whether that be Tukahau, Tapua, or Nahafi. Jared Ray Hargreaves was also found guilty, but only fined. Well, there you go. So he's good to go. Sorry. Yeah, well, in that case, I know he's going to be playing 60, 65 minutes, so I'll stick with the Roosters. Yeah. But, yeah, Mino at one, Walker still at seven. Uh, still like their forward pack more. I, I think Thompson's been really, really good. Um, but, yeah, even losing someone like Marshall King, I think it's some small stuff he does, but I think he's important for the Bulldogs. But, yeah. Uh, last one, Warriors, Sharks, Sunday. For the Sharks side of things, I don't. There's a lot of change for them. Matt Moylan obviously pulled out last week, so um, <clears throat> that calf injury. But with that happening, Connor Tracy moves from centre to five eight, which I think is a great move. I think it's his best position. Good to see him finally there. Chambers returns after missing the Brisbane game uh, for the birth of his third child. Braden Trindle goes back to the bench after playing last week, and Harodi drops to the reserves. But for the Warriors, Reese Walsh headlines a massive return, and Matt Lodge over for his first game, moving Roger Tuivasa-Shek back to the wing and relegating Kane Evans to the bench. Jazz Tafunga's promoted from the bench to replace Tohu Harris, who's out with a shoulder injury, while fellow bench player Bailey Surin swaps with back row Ben Murdoch Masilla and Elisir Katoa has been named. Despite failing to finish the game, he's got concerns for his shoulder and ankle. Chad Townsend out already. He had a shoulder injury and obviously had a limp at the end there. So Cody Nikarima returns from an ankle injury and Sheridan O'Sullivan goes to the six. Rocco Berry replaced Adam Pompey in the centres and Edward Cozy drops out to accommodate Tuvasa Shek. So a lot happening for the Warriors. A lot of guys in and out each week, but Walsh is a huge in. Lodge with Fenua Blake, I think that's going to be a good front row pairing. Um, certainly if you can't get going off the back of that and you'll get some second phase, but it, it's a crunch game. 
Yeah, I think uh, looking at what they've got there, a lot more stable in terms of changing. I've got no idea. Yeah, like I said, I think that they should respond compared to what they did last week, but uh, I'm going to go the Warriors, not with a lot of confidence. So I think more, I've tipped them a few times this year, they've let me down, but I don't know. I, I, I see good, those close losses hurt, the constant changes hurt. I'm sure it's been hard, like we said, been over the whole time, but yeah, Walsh back in, Sheck. Still not really sold on the, the halves. They've had no consistency there, obviously, due to injury and nine, but I like the, some of the forwards. So we'll see if they can get a win this week after a very tough loss last week. But the odds there with Blue Bet, $1.48 favourite are the Sharks. The Warriors are two sixty-five minus five and a half is the line. So a bit closer compared to the other ones, but again, split rounds are always more difficult. This one at least seems closer to a full-strength game with neither side really been affected, but Roosters, Dogs... Certainly interesting. Um, South's missing some troops and Cowboys, and obviously me and the Canberra missing their best players, Papali, Whiten, Tom, DCE. Yeah, after this week we'll be exactly two-thirds of the way through, and Origin will be over this time next week, so it'll be the final eight running in home. Mm. And next week will be interesting with backup. Yeah. Always hard uh, when it's the Wednesday night game. So I think who's up? You guys are on the Friday against Para Manly. No, nah, so it's going to leave a day in between. But yeah, the first few games are, are affected. So I think Dragons Manly obviously got I think two each. Titans, you you guys have had got two or uh, you got three in, don't you? And plus Fafita suspended. Eels have got two. Well, Fafita should play in that game now. He'll, he'll yeah, he'll be back. Yeah. And Brimson off the bench, you'd think if he plays limited minutes, uh, yeah. so you might be right. Moses and Paulo, maybe different story. Uh, Raiders on well, Saturday. But yeah, your, your teams you contribute the most players. Uh, Penrith play on the Sunday, so they get a bit of a turnaround. Melbourne plays Saturday night, so it's, it's those sort of clubs. I guess you look at for this round and say how how affected would they be, but. If they are, it's a good thing for Newcastle because they're playing Melbourne. Yeah, I'd better rest them in Melbourne, think, because they've got Romy and Cleary are out anyway. Mm, they're playing the Warriors, so uh, off the back up. South will be in a position to probably rest some of their guys if they want. They're playing the Bulldogs. Yeah. Broncos, Tigers are basically unaffected uh, besides Haas and Coates, but again... Um, yeah, the, the main effect's going to be those two Friday games for the, the short turnaround, so Manly, Dragons, Titans, Eels. Yep. There you go. Another week in the can, and like we said, never a dull moment in rugby league. Plenty happened on the weekend. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But a big thank you must go, as always, to the Penrith Solar Centre. If you're looking for a system, there is no one better. Give them a call, jump on the website, and big thanks to bluebet.com.au. Charity bet on the weekend. Uh... I remembered for once, but I remembered late. I had Johnston for a hat-trick. How many get, too? He got a double, and then the second half, they just switched off, which burned me. Mm. Didn't see much footy. It was looking like an absolute cakewalk for a while there, but what do you do? It's not good, mate. We need to find a winner, mate. We do. I've had a few quiet weeks. Mm. But fingers crossed for everybody out there that uh, things get a little bit adjusted so we can do this in person next week. Yeah, hopefully. I don't think it's going to happen, though. I think they're going to extend it. 
What did we have today? We had 18 cases. Yeah, I don't know, 35 yesterday. But, but they were blowing up today. They wanted it to be zero, so. Yeah, good luck with that. Mm. They can't keep doing this, surely. They've got to have well, some sort of movement. No, I think they will. I think they'll say school can go back, but everyone else here in fucking lockdown. Yeah, I leave that. So when, yeah. when are we expecting that? It's on Friday, isn't it? They're saying more than others going to announce tomorrow what's happening, apparently. Okay, so a couple of days early. Or give an indication on what's going to happen. <clears throat> All right, well, that's interesting. Mm. Interesting to see what happens. And, uh, yeah, well... I didn't see that today, but oh, I think another thing was I, I saw 18 cases and thought that's good. And then on the drive uh, home, was hearing people saying, "Well, apparently a lot of people didn't get tested today to try and bring the numbers down to have a positive impact." But they're obviously going to go, "Well, if you're not going to get tested, we don't know the true, yeah, true, true numbers." So uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but just it's a fucking it's a joke. I went on my rant last week about it, but anyways. Yeah. Oh, we'll see what happens, but fingers crossed it gets rolled back enough to at least have a couple of visitors. That would be nice. Yeah, But for anyone out there, if you're in lockdown or if you've got back out, I had a few mates in Queensland who got back out of that situation. Well, I think everyone's out apart from us. Good on you. Enjoy. Uh, if you're in New Enjoy. South Wales, keep, keep your head down. Hopefully we get out of this bloody soon. <laughs> so. anyway. All good. For now, everyone, on our short week... Uh, short round isn't the greatest and then we've got Origin afterwards a dead rubber but still it's some footy it's getting me through that and putting on horses good times yep but for now everybody enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league bring it on give us more give us more where are you going where, what, 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 what's going on here is that it is that it Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.